And welcome back to Kidman Talk. This is your host, Carl Bastian from Kidology.org, and I am so delighted that you are taking some time out of your busy, busy Kidman schedule to uh, be equipped and encouraged. That indeed is our mission. Welcome to the 96th Kidman Talk. Man, we are just cruising toward that 100th podcast. And as we head there today, I've got a really special guest. He's a great friend of mine, a collaborator with me. He's contributed to some Kidology projects. In fact, uh, Stanley is such a creative guy. I actually made him a business card uh, as a thank you that says Kidology Creative Consultant. There you go. If you're watching on the YouTube version of the podcast, you got a little uh, glimpse of that. Our topic today is amazing. It's going to be on gaining training and retaining volunteers and it's sponsored by 10731 if you're like what is that don't worry we're gonna let you know it's a really cool outreach vehicle so let's get to it hey Stanley thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy Kidman life uh, to join me on the podcast today thanks glad to be here well Stanley and I we met uh Several years ago now, I think you said we had crossed paths in the past, but a few years ago at a children's pastors conference, uh, Stanley came and wanted to share with me a really cool evangelistic uh, tool that he had developed. Actually, it was the theme of his previous ministry. It's called 10731, and uh, we have put some work into that. It's available on Kidology. In fact, you can just go to kidology.org slash 10731, just the numbers, just 10731 and learn more about it. But give us the really quick synopsis. What is 10731? You've given me a hat. People walk up, they see the hat, they go, What is that? And what do you say? It's uh, one of the things every Christian ought to know. The first is 10 in life. You need to know the rules of life and how to play the game uh, so you don't lose at life. And that's the Ten Commandments. You memorize those and you learn that you can't keep the rules of life and you're going to lose the game. It's kind of sad, but you also learn that you were created with a purpose, and so that brings us to the number seven, the seven days of creation, that it all just didn't just happen, but that we actually have purpose in life. And then after you learn that you were created with a purpose, how do you know the creator, the one that created you? Well, that's three, the ABCs, admit, believe, confess, how to have a relationship with God. And then it brings us to number one, which is the one true God, one way to heaven through Jesus Christ, his son. Who died on the cross for you and for me? Ten seven three one. That's awesome. I see you've got the Ten Commandments up there behind you in your yes, office. Sir. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So there's a really cool gospel track that you fold up, you go through, and you do some cuts and snips, and it, it uh, makes a cross and some other things. I don't want to give it all away, um, but it's really cool. So uh, be sure to check that out on the website. Uh, if you're a premium all access member, you can download all those resources uh, for free. And, um, and use that uh, as a kids' church unit theme, um, or as an evangelistic outreach. Uh, just have some fun with that. It's a real conversation starter. And that's one thing I like about Stanley. He's, um, he's uh, very creative, uh, always looking at new ways, always renovating his, his ministries. Um, you've been in ministry now over 12 years as a children's pastor, right, in three different states. Yes, sir. Uh, Tennessee, Louisiana, and now North Carolina. Oh, boy, you must be suffering there. I, that is a beautiful area, isn't it? Oh, it's gorgeous. We're at the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains, so I'm in the mountains at 30 minutes, or if I want to go to the ocean, I can be there in three hours. That's one thing we can't do here in Colorado. So, well, as, as I have uh, chatted with Stanley uh, as a children's pastor and as a, as a friend, I've always been really impressed with how thorough 
he is. He really thinks things through, and he's really good at processes. And on each of these interviews, I'm asking everyone that I interviewed just to give us one quick recruiting tip. Um, and yet, when I was thinking of Stanley, I was like, this guy, he, he, he's got more than one good tip in him. So do the others. Um, but I thought, we're going to make that our theme today. So I kind of broke it down into those three areas of uh, gaining, training, and retaining. All three of those are important. We want to dive into that. So let's begin with gaining. All right. How do we gain volunteers? Um, <clears throat> the way we do it um, is you need to know several things before you get started gaining volunteers. Oh, so there's some prep work here. There's some prep work you've got to do to be ready. Uh, the first is know your purpose. Um, with There is no vision. There is no purpose. The people perish. It's in the scripture. So what we do is we have a simple math equation, and it's people plus purpose equal programs you're going to do. Ooh, and so like you know that. your purpose at children's ministry and where you're going. Um, you know what your ministry is like. What's the feel and temperate of the people already working with you before you gain new volunteers and just plug them in? You know where your holes are at and where you need to place people. God won't give you more than you can handle, more than you can bear and stand. So you need to know where those holes are at so you can stand it and hold on to them. I heard this from Jim Weidman one time. He says, if 100 people came up to you right now and said, we want to volunteer for children's ministry, where would you place them? Yeah, and if you weren't prepared for that, you know, it's funny, when you start, whether, if you're listening to this and you're brand new, you think, man, the first thing I've got to do is i just got to go out there and be friendly and shake hands and, and plug some people in. Um, but what I hear Stanley saying is, no, there's some, there's some prep work involved. And if you've been in the ministry for several years and you're struggling, you might need to actually kind of pause and restart and do some evaluation. You know, I know when I've started new ministries, my team has sometimes been a little surprised or frustrated that the first thing I wanted to do was job descriptions. I mean, how boring is that? And policy manuals. In fact, can we share your policy manual in the show notes as a download? Yes. Okay. Um, uh, All right. We'll, okay. We'll, we'll make that available. Uh, Stanley's got a, done a fantastic job with that in his ministries. So, yeah, I love that question. I mean, we would dream to have, you know, if not 100, even 10 people show up and say, what can I do? And if you're not prepared with, well, here's our openings. Uh, here's the job descriptions, here's the, the commitment level, um, mm -hmm. then you're going to actually lose those fresh recruits. So I also remember Jim telling me, um, if you're going to, for he used the example of a bus ministry, if you're going to build a bus ministry, you don't plan it for one bus, you plan it for 50 buses, you know, even though mm -hmm. you've only got one, because then as it grows, you're not pulling your hair out and running a 50 bus system on a one bus plan but you're running a one-bus plan on a 50-bus plan. I should have had my Jim Weidman bobblehead here since we're quoting him. <laughs> it's in uh, the other room. Sorry, I didn't mean to bring him up, but that's where I first heard about it. It made a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. First going through making job descriptions and what they ought to be doing. And then the other thing is you need to know where you want to go in ministry and what you want your ministry to look like. Amen. And we call that a vision. A vision statement, mission statement. A lot of people use those interchangeably. In fact, if you go to Kidology's online training, and um, I think it's lab number two um, is all about that. You can download that. You know, painting that picture of what will this look like when we're done. Um, I've had several. My teams always develop them. My favorite one still is from the church where we said our vision is we want every child who comes through our doors to feel loved, come to know Christ, and find a place where they can grow through fun and life-changing 
experiences. And then and then we added two years later, and we want the experience of the parents to be one of surprise and delight. And then we we would break that down at our meetings. We would take one of those. You know, how often are we sharing the gospel? How do we make kids feel loved? What would delight and surprise parents? But as you begin laying that groundwork, now you've got something to go and present to people. That's it. Absolutely. El, anything else in prep work before we get to some actual gaining ideas? Nope. That's pretty much where I'd start. All right. A sober assessment of the ministry um, and its needs and stuff. And let me add, have some dream job descriptions. You know, um, you know, we tend to go, I need a preschool director, an elementary, you know, Wednesday night coordinator, you know, the nursery, the obvious ones, but think of dream ones too. You know, um, I've, I've had special event coordinators. I've had a, a kids ministry photographer. Um, you know, anytime you get an idea, oh, I'm stressing over the thing, make a job description because you'll never have that position if you don't dream it and define it first. You know, and a lot of job descriptions overlap. It has the same stuff in a lot of it's a lot of copy and paste. Yeah, it's not as much work as you think it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, especially when you get into qualifications and, and commitment level and and stuff like that. So we let's assume they've done that. They've got a clear mission. They've got a clear purpose. They've worked on a vision of where they're going. They've got something exciting to invite people onto, and mm-hmm. now they're ready to go. Now what? <clears throat> Uh, the first thing you don't do is go beg for volunteers and don't have the pastor announce it from the pulpit. Oh, you know, like the, uh, the one I saw where they put a, a bunch of kids on the stage in chairs and they told them all to act sad. And then they had the empty adult chair and they said, this chair's empty and these poor, I was going, you're kidding me. That's the Would you want to serve in that environment? <laughs> Absolutely not. It's like, no, hey, the, the, ship, the ship's going down. Jump on before it sinks. No! <laughs> no, absolutely. In fact, I never announce openings. We never have openings in our children's ministry. Um, we have opportunities. In fact, uh, I love when I have an opening that hasn't been open for a long time. Like, say you had this great couple, and they've been doing second grade for 25 years, and when they finally die or quit or move away... You're panicked. You think, oh my goodness, how am I going to find someone like them? They were so good. They had such ownership. The kids loved them. The way yeah. I've always pitched as I said, you're not going to believe this, folks. We actually have an opportunity that has not been available for 12 years. And whoever gets this class, it, this may not be available again for another four or five years, other than summer breaks and substituting. So, man, you better snag this while you can this is a rare opportunity it's amazing how that makes people go oh wow so this is a limited opportunity limited opportunity and then your personal one-on-one invitation going to the individual even if the person comes to you and says i want to serve in your ministry well that's great can you tell me what you like to do find out where their strengths are do you like older kids do you like younger kids you need to place a person where their strengths are not where your holes are at yeah if you place them just where the holes are you might get a round peg in a square hole and it might not work or fit. It's horrible. It looks like a Mr. Potato Head all out of place. Yeah. But if you put somebody where they love to serve, <clears throat> where their passion is, then that's incredible. And they serve for your 12 years. Yeah, and then they're, they're serving because they're serving God, not meeting an emergency need. You know, probably the craziest advice I ever got, I was a green thumb rookie kids pastor. I was at my first children's pastor's conference back in 1994. And I went to... Uh, 
this workshop by a guy named Roger Fields. Maybe you've heard of him from oh, yeah. uh, from Kids Blitz. He's still to this day one of my uh, mentors. I love this guy. But he blew my mind because he said that we should go home and announce that we are no longer accepting volunteers for the children's ministry. And I was mm-hmm. like, you're crazy. I just got a job at this big church. There's all kinds of openings. And I'm supposed to go home and say there's no, we're not accepting volunteers. And he said, then you say uh, it's by invitation only. And uh, it was, and it, I was like, I'm going to do this just to kind of prove he's wrong. I'm, I'm young enough and dumb enough that I'm just going <laughs> to do what this pro said. And uh, it was phenomenal. We ended up with a waiting list because mm-hmm. um, it raised the bar. It's not, hey, we'll just take anybody. But it's like, no, th- this is this is so special and so important and so strategic for the kingdom that we don't just accept anybody. So I had that people come up to me and say, well, if you don't accept volunteers, how, how do people get involved? And I'd say, well, it's it's by personal invitation only. Oh, I'd say, would you like a personal invitation? Well, yeah. And I'd say, well... Well, I'll go back to my team, and uh, we'll, we'll pray about it, and we'll I'll, I'll bring them your name, and we'll do some reference checks. We'll give you an application to fill out. We'll do a background check, and they're just like, "Wow, I hope I I hope I get in." You know, <laughs> it's um, but you know, think of the think of the stewardship that we have over these children, and not only spiritual stewardship, but just physically keeping them safe making sure we keep them away from people who have the wrong motives and the wrong uh, ways of dealing with kids, sometimes tragically. Um, we're the gatekeepers. You know, we're like that guy in Thor, you know, at the end of the Rainbow Bridge, you know. And it's like, no, you're not getting by to these kids unless I permit it. And right. um, and it has a profound impact. And you also, if you do the drive from the pulpit from the pastor, he goes, please come back and help serve, or you get up in front of the congregation and start begging, then you've got to take whoever stands up. Yeah, that's true. That's if you true. can pick, you get to see the character and type of people you want to serve with you who might work in a certain area, and you get to let them come in and see it. <clears throat> Another way, you've got to set up more safeguards, because whoever walks back, you've got to take. Yeah, that's true. You know, I had a pastor once, and I won't use his name to keep the guilty innocent um, or anonymous, but he... Uh, you can't control the pitch. And he made this pitch about, you know, we need you to serve in children's ministry because these are the adults of tomorrow. And uh, so I waited till Tuesday to get my flesh under control. And I went into his office and uh, I'll just call him John to make up a generic name. And I said, hey, John, I've, you know, I've never thanked you for your ministry. He wasn't the senior pastor. He was an associate. And um, he says, huh? I said, well, you know, you have the men's ministry and the women's ministry um, the adult Bible studies, uh, the small group ministry. Um, you oversee so many things, and um, I just don't think I've ever thanked you for that. And he's like, well, okay. And I said, because, you know, those are the senior citizens of tomorrow. And <laughs> and he was like, what? And I said, well, you don't, don't you minister to the adults because they're someday going to be senior citizens? And he's like, no, I oversee those too. <laughs> and I said, well, well. I don't minister to kids because they're going to be adults someday. Well, of course they're going to be adults someday. But we minister sure. to kids because they need God today. And he w- he laughed and he was very uh, receptive that kids are the church of today. You know, yes. and the and the way we uh, pitch that is so important. In fact, whenever I get asked to do child care for an adult program, say we're going to do Sunday nights for six weeks or 
there's going to be some big thing, and they need something for the kids. And I know in our profession, we hate the words childcare because we do ministry, you know. Yeah. And uh, but but I always caution people: don't attack the people who use that verbiage. That's okay; they're not kids pastors. We we understand we're not doing childcare; we're we're ministering to kids. But one of the fun ways I combated that is every time they'd come to me, I'd say, absolutely, I will do some children's ministry programming uh, during that event. And I would make my own flyers, our own theme, make it as legit as what the adults are doing, and then I would put at the bottom, adult care provided in the sanctuary. You know? <laughs> okay. And then and people would see that, and they'd go, oh, okay, it's just adult care taking place. The real ministry is happening here. Um, so it's all how you pitch it and how you present it, and and as something very positive. And very much so. Um, I hate when people come to me and say, "We've got to find somebody for the spot. We have these kids. We don't have enough people. Come in here. It's panic mode." I don't want to step into that. No. So if I'm recruiting you, Carl, I'd go, Carl. I've seen your talent. I've heard about you. You're you're the kidologist. You'd be incredible. Would you consider being part of our team? We've got a special spot just for you. You'd be great at it. And then um, I'd also see if you like large group or small group. And then after you said yes, I'd say, would you mind, would you mind even just taking it for a test drive? Come well, that's, in that's for a good, two or three weeks. That's awesome. Let, let's transition because now you're getting into the training. Not yet. It's a We're person. still in the game. Okay. Have, that's true. That's I, true. I'm letting them sit there and see it first before okay. they ever commit. I want them to see and kind of see the room before they commit. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and it kind of gives them an easy out. Um, but it does play as a, as a training a little bit because they're kind of seeing it ahead of time and they're getting to feel it out, decide if that's really what they want. I think another key thing, and this may be part of retaining, that I don't think churches often do, is after you've placed somebody, you've had that big victory, you're on looking for your new volunteer. But what mm -hmm. happens if that person, they're not enjoying it? It's just not a fit. Maybe there's a, a hyperactive boy that's just driving them crazy. Maybe they they, they don't have the training to... to and and but they don't want to quit because they just got recruited. Um, I've trained my team and myself to always go follow up with them, and you can decide whether it's three weeks or six weeks. But to go back and say, "How's it going? Is it a fit? Would you like to do something else?" And you give them the easy out, kind of the respectable, the honorable discharge, as mm -hmm. opposed to the dishonorable discharge when they finally quit. Um, and they they may say, "You know what? I thought that." Kids were, were cute and all, but man, I this is not me. And it may be you take him to the youth pastor, you know. But you know, if you give a volunteer to the youth pastor, he's gonna give a someone back to you because he's gonna have a youth leader saying, "Oh man, they're talking about sex and drugs and dating and man." He's gonna say, "You know what? Maybe you should be with the kids," you know. And he'll right. bring and he'll bring you volunteers, you know. Mm -hmm. so that's a great point. That's it. Give them so, an observation window. Observation window. So when we're, if we're moving on to training volunteers like you're talking about now, <clears throat> what I do weekly is uh, I'm going around to every classroom and I'm just checking on teachers. How are things going? Do y'all need anything for today? Mm -hmm. You know, and let them know they can call me. If they've got a problem with the child, I'm their biggest fan and their biggest supporter. And so you try to keep that relationship built one-on-one -on -one because it's more of a team than – a placement. Instead of yes. you're in charge, you're the coach, you need to make sure they're batting correctly, catching correctly, throwing correctly, yes, what man. position they're in. So you need to constantly be in that relationship with them and training them. 
Yeah. So how do you train a volunteer? So you got me. You volunteered me. You complimented me. I, I feel like I'm going to use my gifts. I'm going to be your large group kids church every other week person. All right. And uh, I've done every a background check. I've cleared that. Whew. Um, I filled out your application. I've got your policy manual. I have a job description. What how do you, what curriculum you use? How do you now train me for that position? And of course, I'm I'm an experienced children's pastor. What what if I wasn't? What if I'm this person who's kind of new at this, excited about it? I have the gifts, but I've never done it quite in your context. What uh, what I really want to do to begin with is I want to place you with somebody that's done it before, a veteran teacher. Or have a veteran teacher that you can talk to throughout the week because we're all leaning on each other, helping each other out. And that way you have a good relationship with that individual and know each other. But at the same time, they can mentor you and you can get your hands on it and feel for it and how it's going that way. So start with uh, mentoring each other and having that person in the room with you. So make sure they're not isolated. They don't feel like they've just jumped into the deep end without a floaty and no one there to hold their hand or, or guide them. Do you do right. any formal training uh, where you go over policies and procedures? And do you do that annually or semi-annually? Uh, we do that uh, semi-annually. We go over our policy and procedure twice a year. We also try to do video training. We're uh, trying different methods on the best way to get that on training on the go out to them. Mm-hmm. And then we're also sending out a weekly email to them saying, here's what's happening in children's ministry. You know it before anybody else in the church does. And they kind of have an inside scoop a week or two before even the parents know or everybody else. Because we know it a year and a half in advance. We tell our teachers feel like they're more in the know than anybody else is. Yeah, and that really honors them. Um, but let's walk through each of those. How, when and how do you do your semi-annual training? Is that a Sunday afternoon lunch? Is it a weeknight? Uh, when do you do that? And I know there's no perfect time. <clears throat> there's no perfect time. Uh, what we've done... So far as we have two trains a year, one is right before our fall kickoff begins and school starts back, and it's in August, and we do it uh, after church and the afternoon time on Sunday, so nothing else is going on, and we keep it to an hour. We don't take more than an hour of their time, and we tell our volunteers, you only have two meetings to come to a year. That's it. Yep. And so there's only two meetings. If they miss it, do you have a makeup? Nope. I'll send them the information. I'll sit down with them one-on-one. We don't have a makeup meeting for it. Yeah. What I've tried to do is, you know, make it required. You're going to have vacations and things and say, if you can't make it, that's fine. But then before you can start serving, you'll need to meet one-on-one with either me or your director. And sometimes that gets them there because they don't want to do a one-on-one, you know, uh, or maybe they do and that's fine. Um, And then um, one of the things I discovered too late, I think I wish I had thought of this sooner is I was having trouble getting them to come to a, we would offer a Saturday morning, a weeknight, and a Sunday afternoon, and people would say, I can't come to any of them. And it finally dawned on me, if they volunteered for Wednesday nights from 6 to 8.30, they're available on Wednesday nights from 6 to 8.30. And so I started actually doing my training on the first night of club. I would bring in a magician or a special program, let my people who didn't need training kind of do a, a special kickoff event, but mm-hmm. all other volunteers were required to go to the training on, right. on the night that they served. And I've done that on Sundays where we said, you know, it's going to be on Sunday morning during the hour that you serve. If you're a first hour volunteer, then that's when your training is. If you're a second hour, and then um, and then I'd basically all three services 
did the same thing three times. And it's a little harder for them to say, well, I'm not available. It's like, well, then how did you volunteer for this position? <laughs> you know? And so um, that has worked really good for us. Um, and you'll still have someone out of town on that Sunday. Um, you know, it's impossible to get everybody. But those in-person things are good. You can do door prizes. You can have food. Um, you can do a quick icebreaker game, something so you're not just reading from the policy manual the whole time where they feel like I could have read that myself. My favorite one I did, or not my favorite one, one of my favorite ones I did was I took half the meeting area and it was spotless, Carl. The other half of the meeting area, the chairs were all messed up, there's trash on the floor, and it wasn't picked up at all. That's a great idea. They came in and everybody sat on the nice side, except for one individual, and they started straightening chairs and started picking up the trash. And I said, here's the problem with Sunday school classrooms and when you come to teach. You need to come in beforehand, make sure your area is ready to go, because if not, you're going to have one person sitting there feeling totally uncomfortable and nobody else wants to go over there. Yeah, that's great. That's great. What a creative idea that is. So, it was fun. And then you mentioned on the go training... Um, mm -hmm. I'll link in the show notes. Um, when I was a children's pastor in Littleton all last year, uh, I created a, a separate YouTube channel just for my trail guides. That's what we called our small group leaders because we were an outdoor theme. And uh, I've deleted many of them, but I decided to, to keep some of them there. Um, but I would just do a weekly, and it's, I wouldn't be every week, but just about weekly, where I would just tell them, here's what's coming Sunday, here's what I'm doing. I would talk them through their small group thing. Sometimes I would put on a funny costume. If we we're doing Armor of God and there was a dark evil man, I would dress like the dark evil man. I tried to make the videos entertaining. Um, yeah. I got this idea when I was a volunteer at a church in the middle school ministry. The middle school pastor did that every week. And he just sat in his cubicle. If you have a Mac, or I suppose PCs do it too, there's a camera right there. I just sat at my desk. That way I could just hit record, do the video, upload it to YouTube, and bada bing, bada boom, if in 15 minutes I sent out um, some training. We've tried a couple of different methods. We thought about YouTube. We tried another one I'm not going to mention on here because it was an utter failure. But <laughs> Oh, let us know what not to do. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm trying to keep us out of trouble a little bit. One we're researching is Planning Center. Okay. Because it will be sent out videos so they can get on their phone and stuff on the go. But at the same time, it lets you also see who's gotten the video and if they watched it or not. Oh, so Planning Center has that tracking ability. Yes. Yeah, so we're trying to get that set up in our church to see if it'll work for children's ministry, and we're researching it now. Some other ones that say they do that, we've run some issues, and they, they haven't been able to do that. Okay. Well, that's cool. Another thing is uh, a closed Facebook group. And um, we have a Facebook group at my last church. And we uh, vetted because we want to be able to post pictures of kids and events without worrying about security issues with the kids. And so we let the parents know the only people in this group are background checked and approved volunteers or their parents of active kids. And, um, and, you know, and it wasn't even public, so you couldn't even find the group in a search. Um, but we would link it in our, in our newsletters. And in there I could post uh, training videos, pop, you know, reminders. And the cool thing was the parents heard it as well as the kids. So if I'm telling oh. volunteers to be highly relational or something, um, they're hearing, the, the the parents are hearing what I'm telling their leaders to do. And I think that had value. I'm trying, that's a good idea. The closed Facebook group. Now, what about your emails? 
Uh, what kind of stuff would you put in your emails, your weekly email, besides upcoming events and need-to-know stuff? Um, you also put in, um, we have two emails we sent out, one for preschool, one for children. But we have in there what lessons coming up. We have in there who's serving where, what teachers are supposed to be in what classroom for children's worship, who's serving in what role. So then there's accountability between the Sunday school teachers and the worship leaders saying, I'm seeing an email and that person's supposed to be there. Okay, so, cool. Now what about training? Will you put in some advice or tips or quotes or anything like that? Yes, I do that as well. Also, uh, for a while, Kidology had some out. E-tips were just good, drag and drop in. Yeah, but yeah, those are available. Just go into the, the E-tips zone on Kidology, and uh, there, there's, I think, eight or ten collections of four that uh, were written by myself. I think you contributed, Nikki Straza contributed, I had uh, Trisha Peach, uh, Stephen Knight. I had a bunch of people contribute to those. Um, you can just copy and paste them, throw them in the email, and it's just a paragraph of a, of a practical tip for your volunteers. Mm -hmm. And then your purpose and your vision also is good to separate, break down, and put in there as well. To remind that. All right, so training is important. There's no silver bullet. You've got to hit them as many ways as you can. Um, but then I think let's let's shift to the, the probably the most important one. You know, when I asked Josh Denhart for just one recruiting tip, he said uh, in a couple podcasts ago, don't lose the ones you have. <laughs> Keep the ones you have because there's only so many people in the church, and if you burn through them all, then recruiting gets really hard. In fact, I like to say normally in children's ministry, um, the only way out is death or dishonor. You know, it's like people get recruited, and it would frustrate me because I would run into people who would say, yeah, I used to do kids' ministry. You know, it's like they did time, you know, and they, they got out on good behavior. And they finally got paroled, um, but they're never going back. And part of that reason, I think, is because we made it hard to leave. And if people finally get the courage to come up to you and explain, it's like they have to explain. It's like the politician who leaves because of a scandal, but he says, you know, I want to um, spend more time with my family. And everyone knows there was a scandal. Well, I don't mean that our volunteers are involved in a moral scandal. What I mean is the scandal is that, that they've moved on. Either God's called them to something else or we've burned them out, and um, but we don't want to talk about that. No one ever comes and says, you know, I'm quitting because, frankly, I never hear from you. You're disorganized. I never know what's going on. Uh, I'm feeling overwhelmed because I don't have enough help in the room. They won't tell you those things, partly because they like you, and they love the ministry, and they don't want to be a complainer. And so, But they reach that point where they quit. And so we've got to make sure we're proactively ministering to them by finding out what those needs are, addressing them, giving people breaks, and appreciating right. them. So what are some of the things you do to, to help them not reach that point where when they finally quit, they're done? That happened here when I first got here, Carl, this church. Uh, the children's ministry people, volunteers, were hired on, recruited, and they were left on their own. Inside of each classroom, they had a little lock cabinet with a lock on it. And it was their stuff. You weren't going to get it. You weren't going to borrow it. This was their classroom. And everybody was, yeah, afraid and disheveled and just real, it, tension was in the air. And it was all in little bitty silos. And uh, the first thing I did was I went through and created a resource room and said, you can have your little silos, but if you need anything else, 
here's the resource room at your disposal, and I'm going to get whatever you want. Just shop here first. Oh, that's awesome. And then they start handing me their keys to their silos. Yep. And then from there, to ask for a volunteer, I said, my first year, I said, here's what I want you to do. If you want out of children's ministry, now's a good time to step out. Yeah, and give them that permission. Yeah, and then when I recruit, I tell the individual, I'm asking you for a one-year commitment in children's ministry. I want you to serve as one year. You know, and even even people who do it every year, one of the things that I did subtly, I'd have that second-grade teacher who's been in there forever. Um, I would say at the year, um, you're so good at second grade, I'm going to appoint you again for another year. And they're thinking... What do you mean appoint me? It's my class because they get territorial. And at uh-huh. the end of the year, I would go back to them and say, here's what I observed this year, but I thought you did such a great job. I can't think of anyone else who could do a better job. So I'm appointing you for another year. And just that subtle acknowledgement that you are the steward, you are granting the class. It's not theirs. It's God's. And you're mm-hmm. the steward gives you the opportunity in a year to say, you know what? Here's the strengths. In fact, I've got somewhere else I think I could really use your gifts. And I and I want to give someone else the opportunity to teach second grade. You can't do that unless you've subtly defined that this is a this is a year term. I did nine month terms and gave and required the summer off. And every time I've done that, oh my goodness, people get no, no, but I'm like, I want you to come back in the fall, excited to be back, fresh energy, fresh ideas, and then I use that summer, that's a recruiting idea to get people to just help out during the summer and they get their feet wet and they come in and they go, well, it's not as bad as I thought. And they end up volunteering uh, during the school year. But yeah, giving people those, even mandating those breaks and saying, if I get in a pinch, I need a sub, I'm glad I can call you, but I really want you to, to take the summer and just get closer to God, get closer to your family and start praying about your, your fall position. You also need to make sure that um, if you're doing that and setting up the time frame, you ask way beforehand. Like, their end term for us ends in August. Yep. So we're asking them now to start praying about they want to serve again next year. Because we've got to start recruiting if they say no. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be ready to go for August. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and um, I think asking honest questions when you're new, it's easier because people don't feel like they're criticizing you. They're criticizing you know, the predecessor or just the way things have been. But when I started at one of my churches, they were saying, hey, Carl, welcome. We're glad you're here, but good luck recruiting because uh, everybody has served in kids ministry and they're done. And they had established a once a quarter commitment level from parents. So parents felt like, you know, they were doing their, I'm like, once a quarter, a church isn't big enough to have (laughs) enough volunteers for once a quarter. Um, So what I did is I, I sent out a survey um, and I followed up with a phone call and I asked people to tell me why you think other people don't serve in the kids ministry. You know, it's not the, why don't you, because you know, it's like, I have a friend, give them, give them, give them that I'm, I have a friend excuse. And you know what? I got such good answers. I found out that people didn't like being late to adult church. They didn't like having to clean up the room afterward and making them late. They didn't like the parents who picked up their kids late, making them late. They didn't like having to go gather all the resources. Um, but these were things that other people don't like. Right. And so I put together a brochure uh, for my recruiting, and it was called What If? 
And when you opened it, it said, what if it started out with the touchy feely stuff, you know, what if you could impact eternity today? What if you could have a group of children who love you and adore you? What if you were greeted by with hugs on Sunday morning? I got all those out of the way. And then I said, what if you were never late to church? What if uh, following your service? What if um, when it was time to go, you could just walk out of the class and go? What yeah. if you could leave everything behind? What if you didn't have to gather your resources? And then I and I, and people got suspicious, like, well, that's that's kids ministry. But our team, we recruited a gal who worked our resource room. She she didn't really like being with kids, but she was mm-hmm. a obsessive compulsive type A organizer. She would have a tray for every teacher. They would come to the resource room. We put, we installed a half door. They weren't even allowed in. They'd come to the door and say what they need. If they filled out ahead of time, and we didn't even have internet back then. Um, now they could email their order. And she would give them their tray, and then she would say, you don't have to bring it back, just leave it all in the room. And then we recruited people to come to the room 15 minutes before service and relieve the teacher. Because all they had to do was check tags mm-hmm. and dismiss kids. And um, so teacher was able, at a quarter to service or end of study school, just say, bye kids, I'll see you next week. And she could walk out. He could just go to service, and um, and then we created an overflow room so that if parents were late, that volunteer just had to walk them down to the waiting room, and then parents, if they had to get their kid there, they got a little gentle talking to, um, <laughs> you know. But uh, but the kids loved it because of course we had some games and stuff in there. Um, but it was really saying taking an honest look at why don't they serve, and how can we resolve that. Uh, I had listened to a message by a Nordstrom's customer support uh, executive, and uh, and he was talking about how at Nordstrom's, at least at that time, um, their mission was whatever the customer needs, we will provide. And I said, let's do that for our volunteers, and let's take a hard look and and not blame the volunteer for being a whiner, but actually take their take their concern seriously, declare it legit, and solve it for them. And, uh, and it was amazing. And you have people who don't want to teach, but those, I go to a dad, Hey, could you show up 15 minutes uh, before service and just relieve Mrs. So-and-so help check the kids out and then have your wife save you a seat up in service. And, um, I had college kids who didn't mind being late to church a little bit. Maybe they didn't like the worship songs, you know, um, but they'd get in time for the sermon or whatever. Um, but it's powerful to meet those needs and that retains volunteers. He really does. The other thing is to build a team environment, which is um, celebrate. If you have a teacher that's been there two or three years, even the 20 years, celebrate. Give them certificates. Praise them. Yeah, have a a teacher of the month and put their picture on the wall in the hallway. Yeah. Also create fellowships. You can get together all your teachers together and have that team effect or a team training. Like go to a ropes course together or something. Yeah. And have that team building aspect for children's ministry. You know, I grew up thinking that was normal because that's what my parents did. And so in my ministry, I would always have barbecues at my house and um, I have uh, pool parties and things. And then when I left full-time children's ministry as a pastor, now I'm with Kidology, and I've become a volunteer. And I, I, it's been interesting to go, man, who loves kids ministry more than me? Maybe you do, but very few. And yet there's been children's ministries that I just was like, I kind of lost interest in. I love the kids, but they would, they would sometimes wouldn't even greet me, you know, wouldn't thank me. Um, no social dynamic. 
and um, and you and so you start to feel detached, or you get a little bit of a martyr mindset, or no one even knows what I'm doing or appreciates. You know, this thing spilled, and I got the mop, and I cleaned it all up. And not that we want adulation, but but we, you want to be noticed, you want to be appreciated, and so we need to notice those things. And those socials are so powerful. I did a blog post a few years ago called "You Don't Have a Recruiting Problem." You have a relationship problem. It was my yeah. first blog post that got hundreds of little likes. And um, I think it struck a nerve. And I wrote it when I was a volunteer. And I ended up leaving a kid's ministry and getting involved in the men's ministry because I was new to Colorado and I wanted friendships. And I wasn't forming any friends in the kid's ministry. Um, and so I, I ended up taking my gifts and for a season applying them in another ministry and I basically said, people don't volunteer because they have a passionate calling for kids ministry. We do. We're the kids pastors. They volunteer because they want to connect. And there's a sense of duty. They want to have a part of the, their kids ministry. But if they make friends and they're serving with friends, that's a glue that holds pretty strong. Yes, it is. And you got to have that, the relationships. And um, I try to do that every step. Every Sunday we do this. We go to each classroom and check on them. Yeah. And, but I'm also calling and texting them throughout the week. Hey, praying for you. How are things going? What can we do for you? Well, and that's a real key. It minister to them. You mm -hmm. know, they're, they're soldiers for ministry to the kids. In fact, that's why in my job application, I put what's your favorite candy? What's your favorite soda? Um, because I want to be able to actually, you know, give them the candy bar that they like. You know, or give them a gift card to Starbucks if they say that they love coffee. Um, even just having those um, where you where you take them out for a coffee and and ask how they're doing. You know, I had a, a fellow who was my Sunday night um, teacher, and um, there were some issues going on in the home with health, and it was having a strain on the marriage. And they ended up um, leaving our church to go to a church that was a little closer to home. And But I stayed in touch with him, and I would still text him, how's it going? Have you got plugged into a new church? And, you know, he wrote me back one time and said, I can't believe how you've been ministering to me and my family when I'm no longer, not a, only a, not a volunteer in your kids' ministry, but I'm not even at your church. And I said, well, I wasn't ministering to you because you were my Sunday night teacher. I was ministering to you because I care about you and because I'm mm -hmm. a pastor. You know, and when we have that ministry mindset, your job is to minister to these volunteers. The benefit is that they stay in the ministry. That's not necessarily our motive or why we do it. We do it because we're ministers. We love but, them. But, and we love them. But the, but, the, but the advantage is, man, you, you create this tight-knit knit team. So encourage them, include them, celebrate them, as you mentioned, um, and minister to them. It's powerful. Mm -hmm. That's... And then the one thing, that the single thread that runs through all this, Carl, is prayer. Pray when you're recruiting them. Amen. Pray when you're training them. Pray for them continually when you're retaining them. Absolutely. And it's incredible. Change your heart about who you're serving with and that sort of thing. Cool. There is one more tip on recruiting. Absolutely. Let's hear it. This will be our finale. The to get better volunteers is to better yourself as a leader. Amen. If not growing as a leader, if you're a number three leader, you're never going to get a number four or number five or number six volunteer to serve leadership-wise with you. They're not going to wait and waste their time on you as a number four leader. That's true. So you you need to set the bar yourself. 
Yes, um, you can't recruit past yourself. Well, I also like what what you had said in, in some of the emails we exchanged before the podcast. I love this. You said it's okay to have holes with the right people than to have everything filled with the wrong people. So you need to set a bar and make sure you're going after the right quality people. You are. If you don't, you're putting out fires everywhere. People aren't happy. Kids stop coming. It's a nightmare. Absolutely. Philip mentioned in the last podcast uh, the, the surprise tip of go for the busy people. You think they don't have time? They're actually the people who know how to manage their time and um, and have a passion for doing things, and they're not lazy. And so go go after the best. Um, but then we, we've got to be being our best as well. Well, this is great. I hope those of you listening getting some great tips. Uh, don't go away because uh, I always ask for a recruiting tip, which we've done, but I also always ask the, the guests on the show um, for just one thing that they would say or advise or counsel they would give to a newbie. Um, of course, it applies to veterans as well, but what's one thing that um, newbies in kids' ministry need to know? Uh, the number one thing is that you don't have to do everything alone. You need to delegate as much as possible. Always work yourself out of a job. But there's a difference between delegating and dumping. All right, so there's, what do you mean by delegate and dump? A dump is this, where here's this file that needs to be done. Here's your job. Go do it. And you leave them alone, and you never go check on them. Okay. That's dumping. Delegating is going to individual, let me walk you through this the first time and a second time. Answer all your questions a third time. By the fourth or fifth time, you still ask me questions. And by the sixth time, you should have it down fairly bad. You can still come to me if you need anything. I'll come check on you. Yeah. But it's a teaching, training, rather than just go do it. Absolutely. You know, it's a, one of my favorite Disney movies is an old one called The North Avenue Irregulars. And I would, if you like old Disney movies, uh, back when they really were uh, really good and morally solid and all that. Um, but it's about a, a new pastor at a church, and he just delegates and uh, he delegates a fundraising fund to an old lady. She gives it to her husband, and he bets it on some horse racing <laughs> to raise money. And uh, lo- loses the money. And oh. then, so the pastor gets involved in forming a ragtag team to take on the mafia in their town. And it's hysterical. It's got car crashes, and uh, it's just and it's it's a really fun old Disney movie. But it's about you know he delegated, but he didn't delegate with any instruction. Um, any observation or, you know, in fact, I was just telling a brand new children's pastor this week who called me about some, something that went wrong. And I said, well, you've learned one of the first lessons. It's not what you expect. It's what you inspect. So you, you've got to keep up with them. Hey, I'm, uh, I always end with a fun star Wars thing. If you're on YouTube, you can see my death star rug there, uh, behind me on the floor. Who is your favorite star Wars character or it could be a favorite star Wars quote. Just give us a little star Wars. I've got, I've got two, Carl. All right. My first is always like Harrison Ford. Kind of the, the smart aleck, kind of prideful. I always like Harrison Ford. Yep. But the second one is R2-D2. R2-D2. He's always overlooked. He is. He always makes sounds. But in every single movie, he's the one that pulls it off and pulls off the most. He is. Thankful to movie together. He's always optimistic. I love how C-3PO accuses him of, of visions of grandeur which is not what he's about. He's trusting, he's faithful, and he's brave. He just goes right through the flying But to pull bullets. off the movie, in every movie, though, 
there's always some epic scene to actually make the win happen. R2-D2 is the one that pulls it off. And you know what? Our volunteers are, are R2-D2s. That's They're it. They're often overlooked. They're often underappreciated. And yet, without them, we wouldn't be able to pull off the epic uh, ministries that we have. We may That may be an encouraging word to give to our a volunteer. Say, you know, R2-D2, he's a little guy. He's not, a, he's not a, in the marquee on the wall. But he's the guy that makes the, the, the victory happen. I want you to know, I, I notice R2-D2 and I notice you as well. So that, that's exactly. pretty cool. Well, thanks again for joining us today on Kidman Talk, Stanley. You're a great friend, not only to me, but to our, our listeners. You're an asset to the kingdom. Appreciate your encouragement. Thank you for what you're doing at your church right there in North Carolina. Your, your pastor and your volunteers, your kids... They're lucky to have you. Folks, if there's a kid's pastor that you know that you would think would be a good uh, person for me to bring on the show, let me know. We love your feedback. Love your encouragement. You can always reach me, Carl, at KidmanTalk.com. Or uh, if you're a tweeter uh, like Donald Trump, you can tweet me at 3 in the morning <laughs> to uh, at Kidologist or at KidmanTalk. I always am encouraged to hear from you. So until next time, thank you for joining me and Stan. Check out... 10731 on Kidology. Until next time, adios. <laughs>